What's up? I'm Jess Grace Garcia, and I'm a worship pastor, music producer, filmmaker, and I got my second dose of the vaccine today. (laughs) Pfizer in the house. (laughs) Oh, Pfizer. Oh, come on. What did you get? (laughs) Moderna. The Mm. Dolly Parton vaccine. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Just kidding. Status vaccines, not a thing. It's dumb. Just, <laughs> Just get it. <laughs> get it inside you. Except for Johnson however Johnson. you can. Even Johnson & Johnson, <laughs> once it's cleared Once again. it's cleared again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you are? I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian. And I was always the kid in group projects who did all the work. Like, mostly because I was a perfectionist. Like, Ooh, I just I wasn't that. sure that I could trust the people in my group to work according to my standards. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this one time in college. I was in a group project with a few of my friends. We got to, like, pick our own groups. And I volunteered to edit because I've always had a, an eye for grammar and syntax and things like that. Mm-hmm. And as part of the editing, I completely rewrote whole sections of the parts that my friends had written. I changed the arguments that they had been making. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we got an A on it, so they weren't complaining. Ryan, Tyler, you're welcome. <laughs> I did the exact same thing in uh in a film class that I took. Um I had never taken a film class and I was in a four year level and I still thought I could do better apparently. And I (laughs) came in and ended up producing the music and writing the storyline. And every, every time something came up, I, I, I ended up doing like the majority of the work, but we like aced the crap out of that. So yeah, you did, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's something to this, like, if you were the kid who did all the work in group projects, uh, you're queer now. I don't right? Make, I don't make the rules, but you're queer now. That's just the way that it is. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking right now of our, my friend Hillary, who wrote into us, who I went to um, high school with, our very small group of seven people who graduated. <laughs> she was seven. one of those. I know. And uh, and I'm just thinking, uh, she's straight, but she was definitely one of those people. <laughs> So there are some exceptions to the rule. <laughs> Hillary, you know, there's no rush. We are ready to welcome you whenever you're ready to welcome yourself. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I, I I saw a TikTok trend that was like, and I don't know if it was a trend or if it was just a really witty uh, way of, of doing this trend, but it was like my bi wife. And um, mm-hmm. it was a bi individual who is with a, a straight dude, but um, she was um, doing all these like my bi wife about her husband, <laughs> <laughs> bi wife energy, I think it was. And it's so true. He has complete bi wife energy. It was, it was amazing. I was like, I, I'm on this train. What I'm does it you. mean to have bi wife energy? <laughs> You're gonna have to look it up, bro. <laughs> I'm going to have to go Google what TikTok is, <laughs> and I'll 
<laughs> I'll get back to y'all. <laughs> you are not that bad. Don't act like you're that bad. You definitely watch TikTok here and there. We're going to have some things to post on TikTok soon, which I'm excited about. Ooh. But anyway, there are things to look forward to. Our lives have been really... And Should we do a little check-in? I feel like our lives have been pretty crazy the past month. Oh, yeah. Um, why don't you go first? I feel like you have more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've mentioned before that um, I traveled to go see my girlfriend and then she came back and hung out with us. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, she is moving to L.A. and um, it is exciting and um, stressful. Um, but we drove um, the last... Honestly, I got home last night at midnight, so we drove the last three days from Alabama, and um, it's just been a crazy month of, like, lots of changes and um, exciting things, and um, yeah, we've got, like, a whole life ahead of us, and um, I guess, you know, like, that's exciting for someone like me, like, I'm into that, um, and I'm excited to to have someone that I love near me. Mm -hmm. close to me and i know my wife is feeling really really encouraged and excited as well um and uh yeah it's just a it's a new adventure as i keep saying every time that we would hit the road and we knew we had like 12 hours to drive or something like that are you ready for this new adventure um and she spent her whole life in alabama so it's it's definitely a new adventure (laughs) to move to la (laughs) and i know because we did it two years ago from baltimore so it's uh it's 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 exciting, but it's also scary. It's gonna be mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. So any of you you people out there that are our prayers, like I will accept your prayers um, for this as well. Um, and I know that uh, my girlfriend really appreciated it as well. There's lots of changes, and we're trying to adapt um, animals to other animals. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, cats to other cats is always hard. <laughs> but but yeah, so we are on a new adventure. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited for you all. Also, I'm newly vaccinated. That makes me like I'm fully vaccinated now. So it makes me like kind of extra hot. I feel like extra sexy because of it. So I guess so much more available. (laughs) 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 Why stop and try it, right? Right. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, no, I'm just joking. That's a lot. (laughs) We are in it for a lot right now. I am good <laughs> for a while. Um, what about you? What's your life been like recently? Um, sort of a lot of the same, but like more of the same. So it's been busy without a whole lot of change. Um, my fiance August and I have been seeing more of each other, and that's been fun. Um, and what else? Uh, do you feel like work how, has been picking up? So that's what I was going to say. Like, are you feeling like the whole, the whole change of, cause I feel like our audience, you know, like everyone's starting to get into a rhythm of either going back to work or, you know, cause people are getting vaccinated or they're um, getting into a new, a new rhythm. I feel like we're kind of cresting that season, you know, of people mm-hmm. starting to like feel a little more safe um, and feeling like they can actually do things. And, and that's, that's a lot to adapt to. Like all of a sudden we're if out in the world again, (laughs) that's, it's, it's overwhelming for some people. I've, I've heard a lot of our friends feel 
a little overwhelmed at the fact that they're in public spaces again and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that going back to, I guess not going back, but going forward to whatever post-pandemic life is going to look like for all of us, it's there's a lot of uncertainty. Mm. I think there are going to be a lot of things that feel weird that we weren't expecting are going to feel weird. I mm -hmm. think some things are going to feel normal that we weren't expecting are going to feel normal. Like uh, over the weekend, I saw some of our friends. We had like a small beach outing for some of us who are all fully vaccinated. And I thought it was going to be really weird. Like there's a first time that I've been around that many people in a social setting in a long time. Uh, first time in since the pandemic, I guess. By since that I've many, you mean that, like seven people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since I've been around that many people without masks on. Mm -hmm. And it just felt normal. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't expecting it to. Like people talk so much about like, oh, like, I don't know how, I'm not going to know how to social anymore. And I was kind of expecting more of that, but it didn't feel that way to me. I actually think for those of us that have consistently had one other person, whether we've lived with someone or we've had a, we've had a partner or, you know, like you and I have been recording this since since December of last year, I feel like we're doing okay, right? When it comes yeah, to yeah. that, like, social interaction we're not trying to pause for people like zoom pause i should call the zoom pause i've been in a group <laughs> scenario where people have been kind of like sitting around and then the zoom pause happens and everyone's like oh wait we, we don't have to <laughs> like it's nice that people are waiting for other people to speak but it's still <laughs> it's still a funny thing to happen in a real life scenario <laughs> i feel like our friends don't zoom pause on zoom <laughs> We're just talking over each other. Yep. <laughs> Some of my girlfriend's closest friends put together a very small goodbye for her. Oh, sweet. It was. Um, and all of them were vaccinated. And it was just really nice to have the everyone kind of together. And there were a couple extroverts in the group. But there was a moment. Right, there were a couple of moments, but there was a specific moment that I remember that was a very Zoom pausey moment, mm. and I was like, "Oh, this is funny! Like, <laughs> it's cool. I'll jump in." <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's honestly the weird part is that it's not weird mm -hmm. that it that we just kind of fall back in to the comfort of having those social experiences with people again. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if anyone else has ever noticed the Zoom pause. So if you have, like, send me a message on Instagram because I'm, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really curious about that. But um, anyway, what is our topic today? We're doing today's After Dark episode, right? So we're doing we're doing something something uh, risque, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost since the beginning of After Dark, with a few exceptions, we've been kind of ramping up. <laughs> The subjects that we, we started about. out hard though. Oh yeah, we so hard. <laughs> We're like, like we want to get y'all this what to expect. <laughs> so we started off strong with BDSM, yes, and then kind of got more tame, mm -hmm. and then we've had sort of spikes of spiciness. But I feel generally we've been trending upwards. I agree, and that's been intentional. We've been wanting to kind of progress 
through topics without too much of like just like jumping ahead skipping to the end right that sort of thing right but, so i thought it'd be fun to talk about group play <sighs> i've I never heard queer christians i know really talk about this <laughs> that's what i'm talking about <laughs> like we are right <laughs> on the cusp of like of like oh man are we you know like are some people going to be thrown off or are they just going to be so intrigued they're going to listen <laughs> like how do christians talk about group play and to be honest, I was actually having a conversation um, recently with my mm -hmm. girlfriend where we were we were driving and um, and we were both in separate cars. So we're on the phone with each other. And I brought up the fact that I actually know a lot of people who used to be conservative Christian who are poly mm -hmm. now. Um, and I feel like there's a connection there in terms of like the desire for community and um, like village support and um, you know, like just having that like group mentality whenever you, you do things except with a healthier perspective. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so it doesn't surprise me when I find that people who are into more kinky things or into the poly scene are have come from a conservative christian background mm -hmm. because sharing is caring like that's a huge like sharing was a huge aspect of what i learned growing up so like to me it's just natural that <laughs> <laughs> transition into things like group play and stuff like that when we've allowed mm -hmm. ourselves to kind of like free our sexual um identity or you know our sexuality in general like letting ourselves be free in that yeah why wouldn't we want to like love on each other in a group aspect yeah they drove home in my kind of background the importance of small groups and so like <laughs> now that i'm sexually liberated like why wouldn't i sex in small groups too right right <laughs> y'all made us this way you're welcome <laughs> exactly it's your fault that's basically what i was getting at <laughs> thanks evangelical upbringing <laughs> um so so how are we gonna start um talking about group play so I guess there could be different ways to talk about group play. I think anything more than two people constitutes group play. So like we're mm. going to talk about from threesomes to orgies. All right. Because two is so often seen as like the quote unquote norm mm -hmm. for a sexual activity. Yeah. It makes sense in some ways to group together what falls outside of that because of the number of participants. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how much experience do you have with this? Because I feel like you have more, so you should go first. Um, I'd be happy to go first. I have a chunk of experience. I mean, again, because people in our circles don't really talk about this. Like, I don't know if I'm on the like more experienced mm. side of things or like more the newbie side of things. Probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I've had Lots of threesomes, um, a few four plus, and I've been 
I've been to bathhouses uh, quite a few times. I would count that as relevant, I guess. Mm, it's definitely in the category. Yeah, group play often happens in right. bathhouses. And like I've been to a handful of orgies. No more, but no fewer than a handful. Right. A handful. Five, six. Oh, yeah. And several handfuls. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, I feel like we should talk about first. Like, my experience is definitely less than that. Um, I've had a few experiences. And, um, and you know, those experiences more recently are going to continue to go up. Um, but just because I've more recently let go of certain ideals and mm-hmm. ideas around this um realizing that it's a really beautiful thing to kind of like love myself enough because <laughs> that's the root of it like love myself enough to recognize that i am desired in that kind of setting mm-hmm. um so i have some things to share that have to do with that as we tell i'll tell a few stories later mm-hmm. but um when do you think that you were able to start considering group play not being something dirty? Oh, that's a good question. I think for me, it was kind of of a piece with reworking the sexual ethic that I had before. I feel like for me, there wasn't a whole lot of like, okay, now I think that it's okay to have same or similar gender sexual relationships, but like they should be monogamous and like lifelong and like th- going from there then to think like, Oh, well maybe like more committed relationships, like that's okay. That, but they don't necessarily have to be lifelong and then to like casual stuff. And then, Oh, maybe casual stuff with more than an, one other person for those of us who have, gone down that road of changing our sexual ethic such that we believe that group play is ethically permissible Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like a lot of times it takes those kinds of steps but for me i feel like it kind of all happened at once i think part of that is like being an enneagram five and i was gonna say part of that is being jack like that's just the way you are and just like (laughs) thought through all these things and kind of like what's the first domino foul like they all kind of came tumbling after mm-hmm. because for me, like it was, it was all sort of like intellectual, like philosophical, theological stuff that kept me from embracing mm. uh, a more progressive sexual ethic. And it was less about like what I thought other people like around me would be cool with. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just like figuring out for myself what I, believed would be like a good sexual ethic that was coherent with like what I know about human nature and God and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like our processes, our processes were similar except Mm -hmm. mine took a longer path. And that's just because I'm a more, I was a more monogamous minded individual, but really I wasn't monogamous minded. I was, primarily um f- 
focused on one partner and mm-hmm. didn't understand the difference between the two. Oh. Um, and so I would end up in these, what were act- actually monogamous relationships and didn't uh, really give myself an opportunity to, to play outside of those relationships because I would always fall so hard. Mm-hmm. So it, it took, honestly, like my wife has been saying for years that she was open to things outside of our marriage, like a threesome more specifically. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh no, I would never, I don't think I'd like that because I couldn't imagine being in love with both individuals. And in my mind in love is how you have sex. <laughs> and so it took the last couple of years of peeling back these layers of like, Oh, but like if I feel like really comfortable in my marriage in a, in a good way, right? Like mm-hmm. comfortable about our future, about like all these things that I've desired and wanted for a relationship, then why wouldn't I be open to a one night stand or like having play with a third individual or mm-hmm. something beyond that? Right. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had only been thinking from a single minded perspective that was like someone who wanted a relationship who wanted, I couldn't think beyond that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so it's kind of been really, cool paired with kind of freeing those things has been freeing myself, freeing myself Mm -hmm. of my own um, cage that I've created of lack of self-esteem and, and all -hmm. of these things that I didn't think that I was deserving or that other people would desire me. And it was actually having a group play scenario that happened that really showed me just your a beautiful, handsome, desirable individual. Like it was a, it was a mm-hmm. key component in the multiple steps that took me opening up to those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that experience has left a lasting impression for me. Very cool. I could talk about that experience if you'd like. I would love to hear more about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting to talk about things and try to be really specific while also being vague. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, anonymity, it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there was um, an experience where um, I, along with many other individuals, decided that um, it would be a a bunch of other queer um, AFAB peeps um, decided like, hey, let's do... um, spin the bottle. And a lot of us kind of realized we'd never done, I had never done spin the bottle because I grew up going to a small private Christian school and that just was a no, no when it came to sleepovers and things like that. Uh And boys and girls were never in the same (laughs) setting for that kind of thing to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Our parents would have killed us, but also lots of other uh, queer women were not in the scenario where they were like having spin the bottle happen in a scenario where they actually want to kiss the other person, you know? Right. And so we were like, let's, you know, like someone suggested it and we invited all, all these peeps in and, and, um, we, we started playing and I, at the time did not have permission to kiss anyone outside of my marriage permission kind of loosely said, like it was not agreed upon with me and my wife that that would happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I would wanted to at that time because kissing for me had always been such a, sacred thing like i'll touch up 
all over people's bodies and be okay with that and not feel super weird about that. But for some reason, kissing was this like weirdly sacred thing. Mm. I know it's weird guys. It was because of how I experienced, um, my first, uh, attraction and sexual encounters with my previous partners. Um, cause we were both in the closet. Right. Mm-hmm. And kissing was so obviously romantic, <laughs> um, and obviously intended that way. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I just watched and I'm a voyeur. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know, I'm here. And, and it was funny because the, the bottle landed on me a couple times. And one of my friends was like, was like, come on, Jess, like, like, we'll do something else. We'll do something else. We know we honor, we honor what you and your, you know, you and your wife have agreed upon, but like, we want you to be a part of this. Like we wish, and I was like, I, and I would like joke about like, I know y'all want to kiss me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I didn't believe it. And they were like, we do. And I'm like, that's so they do. Like it was hard for my like brain to accept that like I was a desirable, beautiful person, mm-hmm. you know, um, fully in that way. And so that was kind of cool to like kind of experience that. And then I ended up getting a couple lap dances and that was nice. That was my awesome. alternative. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the, the group started to thin out and it progressed and, Ended up, um, people started doing a little bit more than, than kissing each other. And, uh, I continued to watch and it was a really cool experience. Um, we had church the next morning and (laughs) we, we went to bed for like three hours and then (laughs) like, got up and uh, went to church and saw each other the next day and just kind of went like nodded each other, did the queer nod. Um, but as uh, lesbians and queer women do, they had to talk about it later. I didn't think we were going to talk about it. I thought it was just going to be like something that happened that no one ever talked about again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought that it was a great time at the end of it. I remember one of the things I said was, I was the Holy spirit was in this place and they were like, amen. So, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to to see um all of that like affection and love and appreciation of each other and each other's bodies and mm-hmm. to feel a part of that. I wasn't just watching, I was taking part um in in some way, but I just didn't realize how much I was taking part. Um because I thought to myself, these individuals are so beautiful. And for the, any of you that deal with self-esteem issues, <laughs> I'm sure you can relate to this, right? Like you're in a situation where you're just wondering, why are all these people around me? Why do all these people want to be with me? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not nearly as attractive or desirable or um, intriguing. Like, but for some reason they do so what 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 is that mm-hmm. and um the next day when they did talk about it they called me up jess oh my god like like you got to get over here we're having a conversation about it. i'm like oh, i'm busy <laughs> sorry <laughs> you can tell me about it later um <laughs> let's not ruin this with feeling <laughs> <laughs> right? so later on my friend was catching me up on on how everyone was feeling and and kind of like telling me about it and everyone was really 
you know, had lots of good, good feelings about it. And they all said, um, that I, I basically shared that, you know, for me, it was the first time doing something like that. And it was, um, I kept thinking like, why should, why, why am I here? You know? And they were like, Jess, you were our favorite part. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, blown away by that. Like, how was I your favorite part? <laughs> and it was when I had started to, I'll, I'll share, this is, a, what, what am I saying, TMI? We share everything here. Um, <laughs> I had started to allow myself to vocally come. I'd already come previous to that, but I like allowed myself to actually like uh, make sounds um, because I hit a point where I needed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And apparently that was the thing that got everyone else going. And nice. um, they shared that they're like, I can't, the, the one of the quotes that I, that they said that really, really made me go, whoa, was they were like, Jess, you are like, we were just thinking like this woman who is super handsome and really fucking knows who they are and like has incredible swagger is it, finding enjoyment in us and it makes us feel so attractive and beautiful and hot and i was like wait what (laughs) (laughs) i'm the reason me watching is the reason why you came i thought that was really cool like that that really boosted my self-esteem and made me feel incredibly sexy and, um, kind of like, you know, I think sometimes, and I tell people this, we talked about this in queer confidence episode a lot, like a lot of it was faking till you make it like saying mm. it out loud enough times till you believe it, you really do believe it. And there are elements that you're going to encounter of like, Ooh, Oh, I have some self-esteem issues there still. I didn't realize it. Right. And that was one of those I was like sitting there and feeling like I didn't belong, even though I would have told me you belong here. Mm. And, um, and so it was a really impactful experience for me. And, and it was something I wouldn't have guessed that a group play scenario would provide so much confidence. Mm. It's really cool. Yeah. What about you? What's your, what's been like something that stands out for you in terms of experience? I think something for me is, Kind of like demythologizing the group sex, the idea of group sex. Because in TV and movies, I feel like it's portrayed as this sort of holy grail. And it feels so simple now, but it was a really helpful realization when I came to understand that group sex is like other kinds of sex. Like, some of it's real good. Some of it's really not that good. Like, because it's a group isn't automatically going to make it amazing. That was really helpful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. That makes a lot of sense. Cause like threesomes, I feel like mostly overrated. Like I've had some good ones. I think I've had on balance, like, a higher percentage of just kind of eh ones than I have had one-on-one sex. I think in some ways group sex is harder to 
it's harder for it to be good because there are kind of so many moving parts. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I've found personally, and I think everyone works differently, especially I think you and I work differently in this way, but this is one of the ways that there might be some similarity, which is I value that connected sex like that connected, spiritually connected sex. And that's why that one-on-one sex is so beautiful. When it's with someone that you like either have intense chemistry with and you've only met for like an hour or (laughs) you just have that deep spiritual connection because you've developed that relationship with them. And so what I've found now is that being in love with both individuals is what has opened up my mind to this completely. Like if you had said a year ago, Jess, will you have a threesome? I'll say, well, my wife wants one, but I'm not sure that I really want one. If you had said this four months ago, if you had said this two months ago, I would have said that. But now from having a change in my experience and being in love with both individuals, it has changed everything about the way that I enjoy that experience. Because it's like, we all are trying to care for each other well, you know, and Mm -hmm. seeing the person you're in love with experience ecstasy is this gorgeous, beautiful experience to have. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of who provides it, right? So I always theorized that I think I would be okay with watching like someone like my wife who I'm in love with have an experience with someone else because I'm a voyeur number one. And because I'm (laughs) pleasure for my wife Uh because I've enjoyed when people compliment her, when people, when I've had previous partners as well, when people would compliment them and make them feel beautiful and all of these, I always enjoyed that. I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. love on my wife makes her feel great. So the fact that this is translated into sex is not a surprise for me. Yeah, that makes sense. But like connected piece, like I like it when it's there. I don't really need it to enjoy a a sexual encounter. And for most of my group situations, it's not been in a sort of context where there was a lot of emotional connection. Right. But you're saying that it wasn't that great. And I wonder if your experiences where they were great, what was the thing you think? Um, sometimes it was just that we're all good at what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the technical aspect of it went yep. well. Yeah. Uh, one of the, t- like, standout times was with a uh, small group of friends. And I think that that definitely helps. Like right. we all We all care for each other. We all, like, got along pretty well. I think it does. I think, like, knowing that there is love there whether it's in love or just friendship is huge Mm -hmm. because it's like, I know you're not just in this for yourself. You're in this to make me feel good and to make me feel comfortable. And I know I've already had experience with you that I know that you give a shit, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like it does change it, you know? Yeah. That goes into something that I want to talk about. Like how can we approach group sex well like Mm. you talked about your partners caring that you had a good experience and i think that's a big part of it like Mm -hmm. a lot of the sort of like met or worse threesomes i had were when like i was added to like 
a dyad and only one of them was sort of like really excited that the threesome was taking place and the other was kind of on the periphery. Mm. And, you know, sometimes when somebody like does a threesome as a favor for their partner, like Mm -hmm. they like half resent their partner for wanting Uh, it. (laughs) And being that third person, that's got to feel shitty and weird. I think it was worse for them than it was for me because I didn't have to deal with aftermath. But <laughs> <laughs> but it did mean the like one at most of the other two people cared what sort of experience I was having. And I think that definitely did contribute to it being a worse sort of encounter. And like at my best, I would try to like include both partners as much as they seemed like they wanted to be mm-hmm. included, but there's only so far you can go with that when one party is not really on board with it hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Hey, beautiful babes. As we go into our third month of creating fun, sex positive, hopefully thoughtful, queer Christian content, <laughs> we've been, absolutely blown away by how many of you have made listening to us a regular part of your week. We're also realizing that we need the support of our community of listeners to continue the work that we're doing. So many people have felt the one thing that we were hoping they would feel because of this podcast, that they're not alone. So if Lavender Mafia has meant something to you, or you realize how much it can mean to so many others, please consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A, and make a monthly subscription to help us keep doing this work. Every little bit helps. Thank you. See, and that's, I feel like some people who have not had group sex experience would sit here and just say, how? Like, how does that happen? When I've shared that experience that I just shared with some people who haven't had experience in that way, that's the question. How did that happen? And when I explain that it was actually pretty natural, that it all just kind of naturally progressed, it wasn't something that we planned. People are like, wow, how do I put myself in that kind of scenario? I'm like, I couldn't have. I couldn't have anticipated it. And that's why it was so much fun, mm-hmm. at least for me, right? That it was yeah. this spur of the moment kind of experience. And in the, the situations where I've had where they've been planned, it still had to have an element of spontaneity, right? Because when you're sitting there and going, hey, we're just waiting until someone kisses the other person. And then we just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's going to be some awkward moments here and there. But I think that element of spontaneity comes from an element of this doesn't have to happen. It can Mm. happen. It's open to happening, but it doesn't have to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's when it can feel a little bit more exhilarating, a little bit more like natural, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the other aspect is you can try something and then pull out like, you're in the I never middle. use the plot method. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, it's uh, this element of like, I can say no. I can say, you know what? I'm enjoying this or I'm not enjoying this. 
Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's when it feels natural. That's when it feels spontaneous. That's when it feels good. And that's when you have more of an opportunity for it to actually happen. But if someone feels like they're locked in on something or an expectation, like that, that partner in your story, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be a great experience. Yeah. You know, it's hard to know how to talk about that in terms of like consent, because technically they were consenting, but it did feel like, I don't know if it's that particular instance, but if you're like pressuring your partner for a group situation, like consent at least is compromised Mm -hmm. in a way that like is going to fracture that relationship. And I mean, that's the most important part. Like obviously it's going to have effect on the quality of the sexual encounter also. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, yeah, parties have to be on board with what's going on. Like one of the better group sex experiences I had was, just before the pandemic is great timing. A uh, married couple, a uh, couple assist gay guys invited me over on a Saturday morning. Great way to spend a Saturday morning. <laughs> Went over there and we fooled around and they like uh, made some coffee afterwards. And we were just like kind of hanging around in their house, beautiful house, uh, not like extravagant or anything, but just like, really nice house well decorated good coffee and we're just like all hanging out in their underwear talking it was very nice oh that's so sweet like i could tell that they were (laughs) i was gonna say pros uh but not uh, they were seasoned like they had done this sort of thing before they were both kind of on board with it one of them was kind of the the pivot like he kind of drew both of our attention more than the other one did I was like, okay, so like this is kind of more for him, but the other partner was like definitely engaged and like he wanted his partner to have this experience. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I think for some of us, that's a good enough reason to mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've had people say to me, like, why are you doing this? You're not even into that. Like not sexually really, right? Like something Harry Potter. Like if I'm going to be at like a Harry Potter festival or like do something like that, it's like, I'm not doing that for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a hundred percent doing that for my wife mm-hmm. because it's something that she enjoys, but getting to watch that face light up and just be so adorably excited and have that much joy in a day. It's a million times worth it. A whole day. <laughs> oh, we're still talking about that. Harry still talking about thing. the festival. <laughs> and yes, uh, totally have done that for a whole day. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's it can be translated in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that it can be translated into sex as well, like getting to watch my wife um, have enjoyment and and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can see how that would be a reason why a partner would, would go along with something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think the other aspect that I wasn't anticipating um, that, that I really enjoy um, about specifically the threesome scenario is two individuals that are um, more primarily worshipers, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. getting to love on one individual um, and just taking them to a level that they've never experienced is like, I like want to high five the other individual like the whole time. <laughs> like <laughs> we're doing this. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's fun. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I think, I think a question that we haven't talked about is, you know, right now we're talking about, and we're falling into this again, which is we tend to try to keep sexual things separate from scripture, sexual things separate from Christianity. We kind of alluded to how we see that it makes sense kind of in a joking way, why group sex is something that can be beautiful, but let's just straight up answer Like I would love to talk to you as the theologian, like how do you feel group sex is justified if we want to use the term justified mm-hmm. <laughs> in a Christian perspective? Like how is that something that we can feel comfortable moving into as Christians? Yeah, that's a really good question. Huge question. Really <laughs> I thought of it really first. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I anticipated this. I mean, when we talked at the open of the show about how we've kind of been following a sort of a logical progression, part of that has been uh, kind of developing like lavender mafia sexual ethic like an answer to how do we justify group sex like we've already laid a lot of the groundwork for that conversation when we talked about like uh purity culture and why a lot of the tenets of conservative evangelical sexual ethic not just evangelical but conservative christian right sexual ethics right are not scriptural not particularly theologically sound, not practical. And we talked about like casual premarital sex. We did more of that sort of work. Like unless we're going like full hog, like real conservative Catholic or Orthodox that every sexual encounter has to be between uh, cis man, cis woman, and for the purpose of procreation, like once we set that aside, because for a lot of good reasons, it opens up so many more vistas than just swapping out the gender or of one or both partners. Mm-hmm. Like if sex isn't just about like producing the next generation of children, then it can mean so many different things. It can be used in so many more ways to express love for our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like we were told that sex is a way you express love for your like spouse. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that it's for. Those of us who have experienced sex being a way to show love for other people, people to whom we're committed but not married, uh, people that we're friends with, people that we just met recently but have a connection with. We've experienced sex as so much more of a, a potent instrument for loving each other. I think group sex doesn't have to be any different from that like it feels like so extreme because we've been taught to think of it as so extreme Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be like 
so many other ways of loving each other are not bound to being experienced by only a limited number of people at a time like like hugs like you can hug one person right after Mm. the other you can have a three or three plus person hug like Mm -hmm. there are ways of showing love through physical touch that we all know and have experienced as beautiful things and I think sex can be another one of those ways of personal touch that we can use to express love for each other. Like other forms of physical touch, they can and too often are used in ways that don't have the flourishing of everybody involved in mind. But group sex doesn't have to look like that. Like we both experienced group sex in occasions where the flourishing of everybody involved was pursued. And I think that's beautiful. Right. And it didn't have to damage the relationship post group sex. Right. Right. Two things I was thinking about was you're talking about different types of intimacy. And I just thought about how, when I went to Ethiopia and men held other men's hands Mm -hmm. and it wasn't something that was frowned upon. It was just what friends did. And I was like, Whoa. (laughs) Because I didn't realize that was just like uh, an over-masculinized, like American masculine perspective that men should not hold other man's hands. So I was Mm -hmm. like, ooh, that was kind of cool to like realize Mm -hmm. that outside the box. And then the other thing that I was thinking about um, is like things like parties, right? Like you you get a surprise party and a bunch of people show up and they're all celebrating you. It's like... That's an exhilarating high yeah. of feeling special and important to all those individuals. Or if you're moving and 10 people show up to help you move, you know, it feels so validating. And so you feel overwhelmed with love. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that we all enjoy giving to people. Like, let's let's throw a surprise party for them or let's let's put together this event to celebrate this one individual. And that's something it's as humans, we do all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. The experience now that I've had of being focused on by more than one individual in sex is an incredible high. It's Mm -hmm. like, I am that beautiful. And we're doing this work that is so necessary. We talked about it in our Queer Confidence episode. We've talked about it consistently throughout Lavender Mafia, which is this idea of loving ourselves, right? The extra part of love your neighbor, right? Like love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do we love our neighbors well? Love our neighbors as ourselves. How do we love ourselves well? Mm -hmm. Because that's where we fail over and over and over again as a society. If we don't know how to love ourselves well, then how can we love others well, right? right. And rem- and needing to realize that we have to start there. How do we love ourselves well? We talked about this in the masturbation episode. Mm-hmm. Like knowing ourselves well also helps us in other avenues of sex, yeah. right? And loving our neighbors well. And I think that that applies here. Like allowing other individuals, more than one person, to make you feel beautiful and desirable is an incredible experience Mm -hmm. because it, it would seem impossible to me for someone to go into a group scenario, 
get focused on for a moment in that group scenario and not feel incredible and feel sexy and feel um impressive like even if i wasn't the focus there have been moments where i'm doing something for someone else helping someone else do something and i think man i'm the shit (laughs) and that feeling of feeling beautiful and incredible and talented and um maybe it's smart you know even like trying something that you've never tried before and it working right like Mm -hmm. all of these things contribute to having really good self-esteem and confidence Mm -hmm. which then translates to the way that we love others well because if you have someone who lacks self-esteem loving on you that feels far different than someone who confidently loves on you yeah right Mm -hmm. and so the cycle is much healthier and the cycle of our lives outside of sex like there have been times where i'm feeling not great about myself and feeling down or feeling overwhelmed by life. And I get loved on by my girlfriend and my wife. Like there was a day where I was just having a rough time and they both reached out in different ways to like love on me. And by the end of that, I felt incredible and I felt capable of handling the rest of the day, the rest of the week. And That's why I feel like exactly I completely support and love the way you broke it down because it's like we let ourselves get cared for and loved on by multiple individuals in almost all other situations. But sex is for some reason labeled this thing that we're only allowed to share with one other person. And when we can let that go, there are so many ways that we can be fulfilled later. Mm. Like, um, or that we can experience our own striving or everyone's flourishing, you know, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, yeah. I, I just, and we're not here saying like, if that's not something you desire, then you don't desire it. And that's okay. Yeah. It's a hundred percent acceptable that if you're sitting here listening to this episode and going, I relate not at all. Like I, <laughs> I don't relate to this. It doesn't make sense to me. That's cool. But I think the thing that we're challenging to people who are thinking that way is also the other thought, because I've been there, right? Where I thought that's not for me. I could have literally had the opposite conversation five months ago Mm. and said like, well, that's not really for me. I see that, that, you know, I had that one experience that was really great, but you know, it's not really a me thing. Mm. But when someone else tells you that they're doing that or that's something that they enjoy or something that they're open to, don't judge them. Like understand that not everyone works the same and it's okay. And like, it it can still be absolutely ethical, absolutely beautiful in the sight of the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make them any less than or more than. And I think that that's where we struggle, especially like I'm in leadership at my church. Right. And that's a hard, like it's a hard position to be in leadership and sharing openly about my sexual activity like yeah because people do not put the two together they don't say pastors are allowed to talk about this unless they're married right like to a point of like i remember like (laughs) sorry it's super cringy but like just thinking about like a youth pastor who's like talking about like sex with my wife and waiting to have sex with my wife was great. And like, you just wait, it's going to be amazing for you. You know, like, um, 
and just th- thinking about the youth pastor and his wife, <laughs> like having to visualize that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> but that was, you know, a weird, like that, that kind of experience that felt weird because we were taught that like the only time that you're allowed to talk about sex is in this very specific formula. Yeah. And so for me to be breaking that and saying like, it's okay to not just theoretically talk about sex, but, but to literally talk about the sex that I'm having Mm -hmm. and be a pastor and on the DL kind of a lot of the people in my congregation, if we want to use that term, um, (laughs) feels weird to say congregation. (laughs) A lot of people in our community, um, like to say that I'm the sex and relationships pastor. Mm instead of the worship pastor. And that seems most accurate because like I feel really comfortable having conversations around that. And part of that is because of experience Mm -hmm. and I need to be able to be open about that because people need to feel like they're not the only ones being vulnerable, leading by example, essentially Mm -hmm. with vulnerability. And I don't know if you felt that as well, because you're in leadership in we're in leadership together in some communities, you're in leadership, um, in, in other scenarios as well. Like, I don't know if you felt that, um, that odd pressure when we go to talk about more specifics, but I would just, I just really desperately want to normalize talking about, um, sexual activity in relation to our, um, faith and spirituality. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, something that I've thought about and made like a conscious choice way earlier when we were doing after darks, uh, just knowing that, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm now somebody whose sexual life is publicly available. Yeah. Uh, I should say information about my sexual life is publicly (laughs) available. (laughs) Well, line outside my Twitter bedroom. at <laughs> <laughs> my email right, is <laughs> at the right Patreon here. You too. <laughs> we joke about this because we want it to really happen, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the pandemic's been hard on us all. Um, and like, I'm trying to become a priest and. Uh, the uh, church. Uh, I'm Episcopal. Y'all know that. It's all on my Twitter. <laughs> and I fully don't want my priests to find After Dark. But if they do, like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's just like, I believe in this work enough to do it and accept whatever the consequences are that come. Because like, like we talked about also at the in the episode like there are people talking about group sex and like how to do it how to do it ethically how to do it as a way of loving your neighbor like i just don't see it being done and i think it needs to be done so we might as well do it yeah yeah i 100 agree and i feel like it starts with being able to listen to a podcast without blushing too hard because i'm sure that we make people blush all the time mm-hmm. when they listen but we've had many conversations with individuals who say they felt a little more comfortable even just listening to our conversations, you know, Mm -hmm. a little more comfortable with that topic coming up. And I think it's because a lot of us go through like 
what is it called? The queer adolescence. What's it called? When you, uh, like second adolescence. Second adolescence. Yeah, because we're like discovering stuff that other people would discover in their teens. Like, and it feels weird to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to have to like consume media to learn things um, like that in our late twenties. You know, mm-hmm. and and I just want to tell any anyone that's feeling that way, like you're not alone. There are so yeah. many people, including ourselves, <laughs> who are learning, and we want to make all of this accessible so people feel a little less um uncomfortable at the minimum but also like so people are safe because i think Mm -hmm. people put themselves in unsafe conditions when they've put pushed themselves so far you know and unsafe can also not just mean physically safe but it can be like exposing your heart to situations where you could be really really hurt Mm -hmm. and um and i just really want people to feel like they're surrounded by individuals that they can talk openly with without feeling too vulnerable, without losing friendships. I just want people to feel safe in their community. And I feel like that's something that that's what we've provided in our community. Mm -hmm. Um, The communities that we've built, um, people feel like they can be open about things and and in that way growth and maturity happens and that's something that's missing so much in conservative spaces Mm -hmm. is that people freeze (laughs) and i see that even in our progressive queer spaces by people not being willing to talk about sex or they're pushing themselves into the same traditional expectation that they grew up in they just happen to be queer they aren't growing Mm -hmm. right and that's what I desire for people. I desire growth and maturity because I was having a conversation with a fellow leader in, um, in the queer Christian community. And they were talking about an individual that was in leadership and that leadership changed and they were, they're queer and Christian, but they've just gotten like through second adolescence and a lot of the way that they relate to the world um, about sex is as if they're like 15 or 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. And just because they're open and honest about things doesn't mean that they're doing it ethically and appropriately. Mm-hmm. So like, not only are we being an example of you can talk about these things, but like how to talk about these things well, right. without um, overly being crude, without like making people feel triggered or uncomfortable. And I'm sure there are moments that we have, but like, I feel like that's something like being able to talk about these things with maturity Mm -hmm. um, is super necessary (laughs) Um, because there's no leaders in this experience like that. I've seen very few leaders in this experience. And so I know that it's necessary what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I appreciate too how we're trying to hold up both like uh, a very liberated sexual ethic but like a uh, sexual ethic also with like some teeth to it literal and figurative <laughs> talk more about biting um like a lot of people i feel like in our queer and queer christian spaces like have experienced sexual liberation and don't really like think about what they're doing in their sexual lives Mm -hmm. in any sort of way that integrates with their their values outside of it. Like you can, 
you can be sexually liberated. Like you can be a slut. I was slash am a slut. But <laughs> you don't have to be an asshole about it. Like when I hear a lot of people talk about their sexual exploits, like, oh yeah, so you you really just like use that person and then left. Right. Like you think this makes you sound like a stud. It doesn't. Oh no, honey. Mm-hmm. It does not. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I love that, Jack. Exactly. I don't know that I would have been able to put that into the words you just did. And now I will because of the way that you hand, you mm. spoke about that. That's really well said that that's one definitely something that I value about how we're integrating. Right. Because mm. I feel like one of the things that happens in our community, we've, we've alluded to this a couple of times, but is that people continue to let their conservative friendships and family and whatnot live in one side of their life. And then their queerness and their queer community live in another side mm-hmm. and they set, they split off. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they consider this other side, this conservative side of them, their mature side mm-hmm. and they let their young self play. And then they just never have integrated growth. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which can leave behind a lot of damaged hearts and Mm -hmm. a lot of hurt for yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think it's necessary to like, I think some splitting is natural when you're first discovering who you are and getting to a place of like acceptance of who you are Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that God loves you the way that you, the way that they made you. But it's super necessary to find that integration. And there are not a lot of great examples in the Christian world. I feel like there's great, there are great examples outside of the Christian world of how to integrate spirituality and sexuality mm-hmm. and connection. But there hasn't been a lot of work. And people are not as um, inclined to be willing to do the work (laughs) of how to integrate Christian faith and spirituality with our sexuality. And it's not just who we are in our identity, but like the activity (laughs) of being sexual. Right. Um, And I think that that's the necessary work that needs to be done. And Mm -hmm. if you're out there and you feel the same way, we want you, we want to encourage you doing the work too. Like if this is something that you feel like you're a leader in your community and you want to talk more about that, we want to encourage that. Like we're not sitting here going like, Oh, we're going to be the only ones. We want other people to stand up Mm -hmm. and have these conversations, you know, and it can feel a little isolating and it, and it's been nice not to have to be doing this alone, to be doing this with you, Jack and to feel like stronger because it's the two of us um, talking and um, I feel less likely that I'm going to be beaten down by someone else's perspective, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think that that's super important. So if you need, you know, someone in your corner and you're trying to do this in your community, um, trying to stand out or, um, or stand up for these kinds of things, like, please reach out to us. We, we want, we want to encourage that. Um, that's something else that in queer Christian community is still, um, working on being done well, um, which is, uh, coming alongside other individuals who are doing this, um, work and supporting it 
<laughs> and um, collaborating with each other, you know? And if you're doing this work and we don't know about you and you're listening to us, please reach out because we want to know what you're doing and we want to encourage it. We want to support in whatever way we can. Yeah, absolutely. And if any of our listeners have done maybe more work on these kinds of things than we have, like I would love constructive criticism or anything. I mean, if you, if you don't come at us correct and you come looking for a fight, I'll give you one, but I'd rather (laughs) collaborate. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. I know you and I've talked about this a little bit. It's, it's hard. I was going to say, or references, but there aren't a lot of things that are written. We've done a lot of work in researching and trying to find things that are written, but um, I'm hoping there will be more. Um, There's a lot of, you know, Twitter threads, (laughs) but not written text. And we're working on that. Like I say we, but by we, I mean, I support you in working on that. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to be an authoress again. (laughs) (laughs) So if you work in a publishing house, also go ahead and slide into those DMs. (laughs) Please. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I don't know. I know there's some brilliant people in our community who are listening and a part of this. And I think there's a lot of individuals that have similar perspectives, but are too afraid to stand up and they support us in standing up. Mm-hmm. And in terms of support, like there are all kinds of ways to support us. Maybe it's just sharing about us on your Twitter or on your social media and, or letting your friends know like, Hey, you got to listen to Jess and Jack because they're hilarious and they've got some shit to say and whatever it is. Um, maybe it's, maybe you're not too social and maybe you have a couple extra dollars that you can throw at us, you know, once a month on Patreon. Um, whatever it is, we appreciate it. We appreciate the support that, that y'all have given, um, whether it's even just praying for us and like, mm-hmm. and hoping that we do, um, continue to do this work. Cause we believe that what we're doing is God's work. Yeah, absolutely. So hit us up on patreon.com slash lab mafia. If you want to get involved in supporting us doing this work. Also, if you don't already follow us on Instagram and Twitter, also at lab mafia, And I'd love to hear from our listeners also, uh, have you had group experiences? Have you, are you interested in them? Have, has this episode gotten you to think about them in a different way? Any of those sorts of testimonials hit us up on Instagram and Twitter. Do you think we're crazy also? I would like to hear that also. Yes. (laughs) What if we just got one Instagram message just like, yes. We did not know what the question was. We should set that as a poll on Twitter this week. Um, <laughs> Are we crazy? Yeah. No context? No context. I lose Twitter polls. <laughs> I don't feel good about it. Didn't you have a Twitter poll with August? Was it an August Twitter poll last week? Yeah. It was just a couple days ago. We were having still a stings. heated discussion <laughs> about which is weirder to like just drink a glass of milk you feel like it or to like like a barbarian like barehanded eat a <laughs> pancake with nothing on it and my followers did not back me up it was close it was basically a tie um but technically he won the mm, i think well can we change my vote because i voted the wrong thing i meant to vote that it was more normal to drink a glass of milk Thank you. But I misread <laughs> the question. And so I accidentally pressed the other one. 
and I couldn't change it because Twitter doesn't let you change your vote. Damn you, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Dorsey, you bastard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know what we didn't talk about? What? I wanted to talk about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'm okay with talking about it at the end really fast. What's up? Derek Chauvin. Oh, yeah. That motherfucker got all counts, right? Mm-hmm. Thank fucking God. I just wanted to bring it up because it's it, like, we will talk about political stuff and we don't mind talking about it at the beginning. We talked about it at the end on the last episode. These things mm-hmm. fucking matter to us. Yeah. And I was driving back and I got text messages from other people just being like, oh my God, thank God. But honestly, I just started crying. Because I was starting to relive the like experience of em- empathizing with George Floyd mm-hmm. and being there in that experience. But something my wife said that I thought was really, really powerful, because w- we were talking about the video um, of George Floyd being murdered and how like how could you watch that video and not charge Derek mm-hmm. with all of those, with all the charges, mm-hmm. all counts. Um was she was saying that as a white person, as someone with privilege, growing up with privilege, she felt, and even just as a human, she felt it was necessary to watch the video um, and be present mm-hmm. for George and just, that's just it, like be there witnessing what happened. I couldn't watch the whole video. Um, when it did happen, I cried for an hour so hard that I passed out because I couldn't breathe very well. I passed Mm. out asleep. So like I had my own way of experiencing and being present with George in that moment. But all the marching we did this last summer, Mm -hmm. I, I hope that it had something to do with this man being charged appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we talk about this a lot, but it can be easy to forget the like, like those of us on the margins of society really are all in it together. Like, yeah. You know, it's a queer podcast, and so we're going to tend to talk about the ways that society targets queer people. And, like, the white supremacists, the cishet normativists in the center of society, like, they want us all dead. Like, mm-hmm. they're trying to kill us through, like, conversion therapy and, like, murder and what they're trying to do to trans youth and traffic stops yeah and they're trying to kill black people they're trying to kill cis and trans women and obviously these categories overlap a lot like we we have to show up for each other like yes when a black person dies when a queer person dies and cis or trans woman dies like it's it's one of ours Mm mm-hmm yeah, I just realized the since this happened yesterday, I didn't want us to go 
Um, you know, we record, we don't often record the day before an episode is released, but we are right now. And I just, I'm kind of thankful because I wanted to draw attention to this. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone heard George Floyd. Everyone heard the police officers that killed George Floyd, but not many people knew his name. And I think it's important, um, specifically because my wife helped to like make sure that I understood that it was important that we know his name and, um, and the, the people that, um, the police officers that, you know, killed Breonna Taylor and stuff like that. Like we need to know those names as well. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I, I can't even use the word celebrate, but I will say that like, it is, it is a feeling of victory in some way mm-hmm. and just take a moment to honor George Floyd's life um, in whatever way that seems appropriate to you. Yeah, my tradition, we often pray for eternal rest to be granted to those who have passed. And I pray that George is experiencing that now. I like that. It's good. And that these assholes who keep killing us experience no rest until they're very different people from who they are now. Yeah. Amen to that. I feel like one of the things when my wife was talking about watching the video and relating, I said, the difference between me and you is that I'm not white. And so what I'm experiencing with, with that is feeling closer to uh, uh, relating mm-hmm. <laughs> to the victim. And what I've realized especially as being queer and open and out the way that we are out and media and and all of this is like there's a risk factor there yeah and i feel like i cannot live my life in fear and that i want to keep living my life boldly um even if it is a risk mm-hmm. because there's so many other people who don't get to choose <laughs> about living their life boldly, you know, like they could just been born a certain color and it changes everything for them. Yeah. You know? And, um, so I don't know. I just, (sighs) I just wanted to take a moment, even if it isn't an after dark episode, I wanted to take a moment to, um, send some love, um, and, Maybe even if we all who are listening take a moment to thoughtfully um, send good energy towards um, George Floyd's family. Um, but I'm just, I'm thankful for the fact that the justice system actually did what was right in this case. Mm-hmm. And we can only hope that they will, that it will continue and that, and what it takes is us continuing to put our foot to the pavement, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? I'm looking forward to doing more marches and hoping that we can continue to, it's exhausting and it's hard um, to stay in that mindset, but we are, we are far from over when it comes to that. Yeah. 
unfortunately i've seen some people like who didn't like the verdict sound off on social media and they're talking about like how oh the courts are being manipulated by uh public opinion like if they are good let's keep it up that's the point let's yeah show our leaders that that these are the kinds of verdicts that we want exactly that is the point if you want us to keep voting for you put these people away prison abolition except for dirty cops they can go away forever right also universalism except for dirty cops they can rot in prison then go to hell bye bye (laughs) (laughs) well everyone who's listening we appreciate you sticking it out with us and um, if you're feeling a little uncomfortable with this that's good like having some uncomfortability means that um change needs to happen like that mm-hmm. that unsettledness that's an okay thing to feel unsettled about um in this in this case um but you know if you're feeling fired up if you're feeling like you want to do something um you know like hey invite us like <laughs> we'll join your march <laughs> we'll do whatever like um come join us um i'm sure there will be things that we will uh, we will do in the next couple of months. Um, but um, we love you all and we thank you for being here. Be fierce, keep the faith. And don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 